I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Renaissance English History Podcast, a part of the Agora Podcast Network. I'm your host, Heather Tesco. I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe it's a pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and being more deeply in touch with our own humanity. In this episode, we are going to spend an entire day in Tudor London, exploring the bustling streets of the city and meeting some of the people who lived there. But before we get started, hey, the Tudor planner Indiegogo is on right now. You know, every year I do this planner because I love planners because I'm a planner nerd. And about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I had this idea to bring together a planner that mixed Tudor history with like all the tools of a planner. And it was basically so I could buy it. I made it so I could buy it. But other people wanted one too. So I started selling them. And thus was born the Tudor planner. And I publish it myself. So every year I do an Indiegogo to support it. Um, It's a crowdfunding thing. Uh, to pay the printing costs. It's a beautiful planner um, that is filled with Tudor history. It looks like an old illuminated manuscript. If you haven't checked it out and you like planners, um, check it out. And I'm crowdfunding for the 2024 one right now. They will ship in November in time for the holidays. So if you like planners or if you have a friend who likes planners and also likes Tudor history, then uh, check out the Indiegogo and knock that holiday gift off of your list. Uh, right now. Okay, so that is the uh, the message for today. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can also just go to Indiegogo.com and look under writing and publishing or search for Tudor Planner and it will be there. All right. In this episode, my friends, we are going to explore a day in the life of various individuals living in Tudor London. And we're going to give you a unique and immersive perspective on what it was like to experience the city during this pivotal time in history. Of course, during the 16th century, we saw the emergence of London as a major center of commerce, culture, and power, not just in England, not just in Europe, but in the world. So from the early morning market preparations to the lively evening gatherings at local taverns, we are going to be stepping into the shoes of Londoners from all walks of life including fishmongers, wealthy merchants, young apprentices, and even the night watchmen. Our journey begins at the break of dawn as the city awakens and comes to life with the bustling activity of its inhabitants. As the first light of day breaks over the horizon, 
Tudor London slowly comes to life. This city, with its narrow, winding streets and a mixture of wooden and brick buildings, starts to buzz with activity. The Thames, London's lifeline, sees a constant flow of boats bringing in goods and people from all over England and beyond. In the heart of the city, we find our first individual, John the Fishmonger. He's diligently setting up his stall at the bustling Billingsgate Fish Market. This market, located near the banks of the Thames, has been the center of the fish trade since the medieval period, and we talked about that a few episodes ago in our episode on markets. With the river teeming with fish, Billingsgate is a thriving hub of commerce, an essential part of daily life in Tudor London. John begins his day well before sunrise. He gathers up the freshest catch from the fishing boats that have arrived overnight. He arranges his stall, displaying an array of fish, shellfish, and other seafood, carefully selecting each item to ensure quality and freshness. As the market fills with other vendors and buyers, the cacophony of voices, the sounds of fish being weighed and wrapped, the scent of the sea fill the air. Fish is a staple in the Tudor diet, particularly for the poorer classes who can't afford the luxury of meat on a regular basis. On Fridays and during Lent, even the wealthy are required to abstain from meat, making fish a crucial source of sustenance for all Londoners. John's customers range from wealthy merchants seeking the finest salmon to humble laborers searching for affordable herring. As the sun continues to rise, casting its golden glow over the city, John engages in lively conversations with his customers. In a period before newspapers, this is where he would get news and gossip, news from abroad, news that the ships would bring with them. They would even share the occasional joke. In Tudor London, the marketplace is not only a place for trade, but also a vital social hub where people from all walks of life come together to connect, share stories, and form the fabric of the community. As the morning progresses, the streets of Tudor London become even busier with people attending to their daily tasks and responsibilities. Among this hustle and bustle, we find our next person, Elizabeth, the wealthy merchant's wife, as she makes her way to the local church for morning worship. In the Tudor era, religion played a central role in the lives of Londoners. Daily attendance at church service is not only a spiritual duty, but also an important social obligation. The church serves as a place where community members gather, exchange news, and participate in the shared rituals that bind them together. Elizabeth arrives at the church dressed in very fine attire, a symbol of her family's wealth and status. Inside, the church is adorned with intricate stained glass windows and ornate sculptures reflecting the deep devotion and artistic skills of its creators. As the service begins, the congregation joins together in prayer, song, and recitation of sacred texts. During this period, England is undergoing significant religious upheaval along with the rest of Europe. But the English flavor is a little different because the Reformation, which was initiated by Henry VIII's break with the Roman Catholic Church, leads to the establishment of the Church of England with the monarch as the supreme head. The transformative event has far-reaching consequences for the people of Tudor London as religious beliefs and practices evolve and previously established norms are challenged. Despite these changes, Elizabeth and her fellow worshippers remain steadfast in their faith they find solace and guidance in the familiar rituals and teachings of the church. And for them, religion provides a source of comfort and stability and shared identity, 
amidst the uncertainties and challenges of life in Tudor London. As the morning service comes to a close, the congregation disperses and returns to their daily routines and responsibilities. As we move further into the day, we find ourselves in the realm of education and entertainment in Tudor London. We find our next individual, Thomas, a young apprentice from a modest background who has been given the rare opportunity to attend a local grammar school. His day begins with lessons in reading and writing and arithmetic, the essential skills needed for a successful career in commerce or public service. The schoolmaster is stern but knowledgeable, and he instills discipline and respect for learning in his pupils, using a combination of rigorous instruction and strict punishment for those who fail to meet his high expectations. In addition to these core subjects, Thomas and his fellow students study Latin and Greek, the languages of the learned in Tudor society. The curriculum also includes lessons in history, literature, and rhetoric, providing a well-rounded education that prepares students to take their place in the world. But life in Tudor London isn't all work and no play. After a day of study, Thomas and his friends eagerly seek out entertainment to help them unwind and relax. In the bustling city, there's no shortage of amusements to suit a variety of tastes and budgets. For those who can afford it, the theater is a popular destination, offering a mix of comedies and tragedies and histories that captivate audience with their dramatic storytelling and skilled performance. This is especially true in the later Elizabethan period, not so much in the early Tudor period. Playwrights such as William Shakespeare and Christopher Marlowe by the 1590s are dazzling their viewers with their wit, insight, and mastery of the written word. For those with more modest means, there are plenty of other forms of entertainment available, including bear baiting, which was a controversial and brutal blood sport where bears are pitted against dogs in a fierce and often deadly battle. There are also public executions, which, while gruesome, draw large crowds eager to witness the spectacle and gain a sense of justice being served. Tudor London offers a rich tapestry of experience, blending education, work, and leisure to create a vibrant and dynamic city. As the clock strikes noon, the streets of Tudor London fill with the enticing aromas of various foods being prepared for lunchtime. We find ourselves in the bustling kitchen of a noble household, where our next new friend, Mary, the head cook, is hard at work creating a lavish feast for her employers and their guests. In Tudor society, food is not only a source of nourishment, but also a display of wealth and status. The more lavish the meal, the more it reflects the prosperity and social standing of the host. Mary is well-versed in the culinary arts, skillfully combining a variety of ingredients and techniques to create dishes that delight the senses and satisfy the appetites of her discerning diners. The menu for today's feast includes a range of delicacies such as roast peacock, venison pies, and eel in a savory almond sauce. Accompanying these dishes are an array of vegetables, fruits, and spices, many of which have have been imported from far-off lands showcasing the global reach of Tudor trade and commerce. For dessert, Mary has prepared a selection of sweet treats, including spiced fruit tarts and honey cakes, 
and March pain, an early version of marzipan. To accompany the meal, guests will enjoy a variety of wines and ales and other beverages, each carefully chosen to complement the flavors of the dishes being served. While the nobility dine on such extravagant fare, the majority of Londoners enjoy simpler meals. Bread, cheese, and pottage, a thick stew made from vegetables, grains, and whatever meat is available, are a staple food for most households. Despite these differences in diets, food remains a unifying force in Tudor society, bringing people together in shared moments of fellowship and nourishment. As Mary and her assistants put the finishing touches on their culinary creations, the noble household and their guests gather in anticipation, eager to partake in the delicious feast that awaits them. As the afternoon sun casts long shadows across the streets of Tudor London, we turn our next attention to the city's efforts to maintain law and order. And we meet our next friend, William, a constable who's been tasked with patrolling the streets and ensuring the safety and well-being of its inhabitants. He's armed with a staff and backed by the authority of local officials, diligently patrolling his designated area, keeping a watchful eye for signs of trouble. In Tudor London, crime is a persistent concern, with offenses ranging from petty theft and public drunkenness to more serious transgressions like murder and treason. As a constable, William's duties include apprehending criminals, breaking up fights, and ensuring that the city's laws and ordinances are upheld. He also plays a role in administering justice, as he may be called upon to testify in court or assist in carrying out punishments handed down by the authorities. Punishments in Tudor London are often harsh and intended to serve as a deterrent to would-be criminals. Public executions such as hangings or beheadings are not uncommon for serious offenses, while lesser crimes might result in a public flogging or a stint in the stocks. These punishments are designed not only to exact justice, but also to reinforce the social order and the authority of the state. Despite the challenges of his role, William takes pride in his work, believing that his efforts contribute to the greater good of the city and its people. He understands that maintaining law and order is crucial for ensuring the safety and prosperity of Tudor London, a bustling metropolis that is constantly growing and evolving. As the sun begins its descent towards the horizon, casting a warm glow over the bustling streets of London, we find ourselves in the thriving commercial district of the city. And here we meet our next individual, Anne, a resourceful and determined female shopkeeper who defies societal norms to succeed in the world of trade and commerce. Anne runs a small but successful shop specializing in textiles and clothing, catering to the needs of London's diverse population. In a time when opportunities for women are limited, Anne has managed to carve out a niche for herself through hard work and determination and a keen understanding of her customers' needs and preferences. Throughout the day, Anne's shop is filled with customers seeking the latest fashions, sturdy work clothes, or finely crafted linens. The trade in textiles is an essential part of the economy, with the city serving as a major hub for the import and export of fabrics from across England and beyond. Anne's success in this male-dominated world is a testament to her skills as a merchant and her ability to navigate the complex networks of trade that crisscross the city. She has developed strong relationships with suppliers, ensuring access to the highest quality materials at the best prices, and has cultivated a loyal customer base who value her expertise and personal touch. 
While Anne's achievements are undoubtedly impressive, her story is just one example of the many ways in which women contribute to the economic and social fabric of Tudor London. From running households and raising families to working in a variety of trades and professions, women play a vital role in shaping the city and its future. As the last rays of sunlight disappear and twilight descends on the city, the city takes on a different atmosphere with the focus shifting from work to leisure and merriment. Our final stop for the day takes us to one of London's lively taverns where locals gather to relax, socialize, and enjoy a well-earned respite from the day's labors. The tavern with its low ceilings, flickering candlelight, and inviting warmth serves as a communal living room for the people of Tudor London. Here we find individuals from all walks of life, from merchants and craftsmen to laborers and servants, each seeking solace in the convivial atmosphere and the company of their fellow citizens. At the center of this lively gathering is our last individual of the day, Henry, the charismatic tavern keeper, who ensures that the ale flows freely and the conversation never runs dry. With a booming laugh and a seemingly endless supply of stories and gossip, Henry is the lifeblood of the tavern, providing his patrons with entertainment and camaraderie and a taste of the city's vibrant and diverse culture. As the night progresses, the sounds of laughter, singing, and spirited debate fill the air, creating a sense of community and shared experience that transcends the boundaries of class and social standing. Taverns like Henry's serve as a crucial social hub in Tudor London, offering a space where people can unwind and forge friendships and engage in lively discussions on the issues and events of the day. As the clock strikes midnight and the lively atmosphere of Tudor London begins to quiet down, the city's inhabitants return to their homes, seeking rest and reflection after a long day filled with work, worship, and leisure. With the streets now dark and the sounds of the merriment fading, we pause to consider the stories and experiences we've encountered during our journey through this era. In the stories that we've heard from the fish market to the merchant's wife to the young apprentice, we see reflections of our own lives and struggles, a reminder that despite the passage of time and the many differences that separate us, we are all bound together by our shared humanity and our hopes and dreams and our desire to create a better world for ourselves and those who come after us. For now, we're going to stop it here. Hop on into the Tutor Learning Circle, tutorlearningcircle.com, to discuss this and all other things Tutor. It is a social network just for Tutor fans. Thank you for joining me on this journey through 24 hours in Tudor London. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and gained a deeper understanding of the lives and experiences of those who called the city their home. If you liked this episode, let me know and I will do more like it. Just a reminder again about the Indiegogo for the Tudor Planner. Check that out in the show notes or at Indiegogo.com. You can search for Tudor Planner and find it. And I will talk with you again very soon. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple of weeks. Blow northern wind, a sandful baby sweating. Blow northern wind, blow, blow, blow. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.